So January was quiet. I don't know about you. I always find January to be a, a slower month of the church year in terms of like parish activity. You know, things start back up. Your RCI starts back up, religious education stuff. But the appointments are like your appointments and stuff, I find still kind of, it's lower key. I don't know. Maybe it's just different here. I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying, and I, not to be morbid here, but I think everyone in my parish decided to die the month of January. So we were quite busy. <laughs> okay. I had two funerals in January. Yeah. Um, I had two funerals this week, so. Okay. I had one last week. Anyway, so, for you, anyways. things are a little chill. That's it, nice. Yeah. This, it was a little chiller, which was, I, honestly, was much needed. And I'm starting slowly. I hope it can sustain itself. I'm getting organized. Listen to this. Work email, inbox zero. Whoa. Personal email, inbox zero. Whoa. Text messages, all read. Whoa. Twitter DMs, caught up on. Look at you. Did it all last week. Crushing because it. Because if I don't, I mean, I, I got back to the office to literally 25 emails. <laughs> I'm like, after the mail never stops. The mail never stops. But I got through about 10 of them this morning, but I haven't really been at the computer since until this, but I obviously can't answer emails during podcasting unless... Well, I mean, next I? time, uh, the next session we're doing, I'm I'm recording so you can just answer emails while I... I mean, oh. Blab on. I, I'm not supposed to do that. Uh, as I'm saying, I am aware that you do this. I allow it out of your weakness. Um, I understand. Did you hear the tapping, the tapping of the keyboard people? Tippy, that's, tippy, that's, tippy, that's, tippy. that's Father Harrison. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, trying to stay awake. Yes. Uh, but no. Yeah. So no, it's been good. It's been good. It's been nice. And I'm the the kind of promos of the book are kind of ramping up a little bit. They're they're going up a little bit, which is good. I actually just I had a really great conversation with our good friend Larry Chap yesterday. Mm. Instead of us interviewing him he interviewed moi and so oh, did i not leave a good enough impression for larry chap he said something about giving you his best wow <laughs> wow after that amazing discussion i led him on i led him on a journey from vampires to space aliens and i get nothing larry chap you're dead to me i suppose larry chap has chosen the better part I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we went out. We wanted to have a, a longer, in-depth discussion of the book. Which, knowing him and I, with our theological um, school of thought that we tend to fall into, it obviously quickly dovetailed into many other things mm -hmm. out of the root of the book. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Actually, were any of those yeah, things so vampires? Don't think so. They weren't. Nope. Were they? No. No, because we talk about real things. Uh, the sacramentality is about reality. Yeah, I talk about fun things like vampires. <laughs> I'm wearing the real. I'm in the all right, real. All right, all right, all uh, right. But that was a lot of fun. It'll be up on his blog, gatheringatsbest22.com. Uh, so check that out if you'd like. And I'm doing a bunch more this week, a few more next week. So it's just like, it's like it feels weird and stuff that you're going on to all these places to talk about a thing you wrote. But that's been it's been good. It's been good. It's been nice to get the feedback from people. And oh, if you and if you enjoyed the book, if I may ask one small favor, mm. one teeny tiny favor, folks, go on to Amazon.com and leave a review you leave reviews of podcasts you can leave reviews of books the reason i just asked of this false people well, don't leave reviews for our podcast anymore they don't oh, we haven't got a new review in like forever oh i mean i checked okay. like two weeks ago i didn't see anything oh, okay i was like mm. i tend not to because you're always going to get negative reviews and i just those things get to me for whatever reason yeah and so i just tend to not look at the reviews too much yeah. because it just gets to me 
Um, but if you can leave a review on Amazon, the reason I just asked this is because uh, there are other parts of the world that really depend on Amazon for books because uh, shipping is expensive, like Canada. So uh, the review helps the algorithm decide to send to other places and stuff like this uh, gets it a bit more because Canadians want to order it, but they have to pay like 20 bucks in shipping. So uh, when you're paying already $30 Canadian for a book and then like 15 to 20 bucks for shipping, that's expensive for one book. So have charity towards your neighbors to the north and your neighbors throughout the world, Americans, and leave a review of the book, please. That sounds nice. It's a nice thing to do. But, yeah, that's about it. That's all I have to really say right now. Kind of, I am a little rushed coming in here. I'm like, I got home about 10 minutes before we started recording here. So You got home, uh, you crushed a bag of ketchup chips, and now you're oh, ready oh, to go. Only like half a bag. Ooh, okay, you're half ready to go. So we'll, Hence, we'll make it work. Yeah. <gasps> yes. But welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. You know, one of the things that's um, difficult to schedule, but a delight to do for me, are community podcasting? calls. I mean, oh, podcasting, okay. yes, yes. Those, that's both difficult to schedule <laughs> and a delight, <laughs> delight to do. Um, but another one is communion calls. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was doing a bunch of communion calls today. And you can get all kinds of, you know, just to connect with the people, offer them the sacrament, chat a little bit. You know, just kind of meet all kinds of wonderful people. But sometimes you meet a 98-year-old lady who is mm-hmm. more with it than you are. And she tells you about her mob connections. About mm-hmm. how, like, once upon a time, like, her mom was in Florida and she didn't like where she was at. And so she calls up Uncle Johnny. Uncle Johnny not being her real uncle, someone that she mm-hmm. met as she... uh uh, cut hair. That's what she did for like, you know, 30 years. Uh, by mm-hmm. the way, she's friends with the Roonies because she cut Mrs. Rooney's hair or whatever. That's a Pittsburgh uh, tidbit for you. And uh, says, Uncle Johnny, my mom's really sad down in Florida. And Uncle Johnny says, well, what do you what do you want? What do you want? Like, I just want my mom to be happy. Two days later, her mom shows up in Pittsburgh. How did that happen? Did Uncle Johnny ever come to collect that favor? Who knows? Who knows? All I know is that at this lady's dad's funeral... There were a bunch of uh, a bunch of swarthy uh, men uh, with greased back hair at her dad's funeral, just lining the streets as she walked by. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows exactly what this ninety-year-old lady has done in her life to earn the respect <laughs> of various mobsters? <laughs> but it was amazing. And then she talked about like you know the nice table she has. It's a collector's piece and then she made fun was of my hand this because you're italian oh yes yes that was part of it. but they, i think she just like sharing stories and i love listening to them every right. single second of it was amazing amazing yeah, i mean to be italian is to be a mobster that is or at least you, you pretend to be one uh but right. she's one of these italians that's like uh if you're not sicilian you're not a real italian and i'm like if you're right. not on the peninsula you're not a real italian um gotcha at least i got that from my grandfather who had really creative ways to describe Sicilians that I can never repeat on the podcast or else I will not only be canceled, I'll go to hell for saying those things. Uh, gotcha. So, so that's why I'm, but I'm very pastoral. I didn't say any of that. We just kind of tease each other a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, awesome. People nice. are good. Uh, people are fascinating and fun. So I had a fun day today visiting all these people, nice. giving them some sacraments. Nice. Yeah, it is. It is hard. Like we do have people who do this for us on a regular basis or we're trying to get it restarted a bit because of the pandemic and everything and uh 
uh, it is hard to schedule in. It is really hard to schedule in. Like, you know, it was the job really of the priests to do this. But when you're so short on priests and you have so many people, it becomes really an impossibility to do it all the time. I remember one time I had this lady. She was like pretty much saying, Father, you have to be the one to come see me every week. I'm like, but, but Joe Smith or whatever his name is. Nope. Nope. It has to be you. And I said, no. I, I was really, I said, no, I asked Joe to do this for me. If I'm, I'm giving him permission. So if I can trust him, you can trust him. Yeah. And she goes, fine <laughs> yeah and it's like but it's like i'm sorry like i can't do if i did 20 communion calls a week which you just take like an hour you, by the time you drive you there could do, do anything you, else you, you couldn't do anything else no. right back and it's like it's also back in the day things are closer and like just like, things have changed so much right yeah. we're just life is a lot different and so, so yeah it is it is tough it is tough and like what i try to do is i try to organize it so that i see all the homebound once every three to four months mm-hmm. um they get regular visits from other people, but once so that I can anoint them, I can hear confessions, have a visit, etc. Yeah, that's, that's what, what we I do too. To do. And I, yeah, and I think I think that's a very healthy way to do it. And then that way, they're still getting the Eucharist every week. Yeah. But then, they, and if they need anything else, like if it's an emergency or they need confession, you know, I'll be there. Yeah. But on that regular weekly thing, we can we can assign. That's also nice because a lot of our Eucharistic ministers uh, really enjoy doing it, and like all mm-hmm. the people. I visited, they had nice things to say about the people who visit them too. So it's just good. Mm-hmm. It's good to have them do it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, we show up every once in a while to hear confessions, you know, just connect with them, uh, yep. anointing, that kind of deal. So, yeah. Yep. Nice. Nice. Now, uh, as you know, uh, sometimes when we get calls around these things, they can be emergencies. They can be emergencies. But there's also an even more perilous emergency oh, no. than, the, than, than the death of a, of a beloved. <laughs> That's how you're going to introduce this segment. Heck yeah. (laughs) There are theological emergencies. Thank you for calling Clerically Speaking. If this is truly a theological emergency, please dial 1 at any time. Hi, I flushed my goldfish down the toilet, and I wanted to know, is that a sin? Theological Emergency. We'll take your call at 412-912-7995. It's a bold intro. <laughs> it's a bold move, Cotton. I wonder if it's going to pay yeah. off. Yeah, and now we can get plenty of reviews on our iTunes. Jeez. It's a joke, people. It's a joke. All right. Uh, <laughs> do you have the phone number that people can call in? Because oh, actually, I do. It's on the bumper. Right yeah, just listen it's, to the bumper oh, again. I'm not doing that. Yeah, do what? Do you do the work, people? Press How do I have to do the, all the backwards work? 15 second button so you can hear you Nick's go. great bumper again. You'll know the phone number. All right. So this first one, let's give a listen to this first one here. Hi, Father Anthony and Father Harrison. This is Catherine calling from Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I had a two-part question about the sacrament of confession. Uh, the first question I have um, is if you could clarify what the purpose of the penance is that the priest prescribes during confession, um, what that serves and what it ought to be used for, um, or I guess just what its purpose is within the sacrament. And then my second question is what can we as the lay faithful do if we go to confession and the priest um, gives us a penance that we either feel is inappropriate or that we feel uncomfortable saying yes to. Um, I was recently in a position when I was in 
confession several weeks ago where the priest gave me a penance that didn't seem appropriate to me because it was both ill-defined and did not have a set time duration. Um, and it was it was a very confusing and negative experience for me. So if I can clarify, you know, this at all for someone else who might end up in a similarly uncomfortable situation, I would love to do that. Feel free to edit this out as much as you want. Um, thank you guys for all the really good work you do, and have a great day. Well, thanks, Catherine, if that's your real name, mm. and if Nashville's a real place. Like, what kind of a city is Nashville? Who would name a city that way? Uh, I mean, who would name a city Ottawa? That sounds dumb, too. I mean, Pittsburgh? Pen- Pennsylvania? Yeah. Pennsylvania. It's it's what kind of a, it's a fake name. Uh, so, fake. anyway... <laughs> Name, anyways. <laughs> That's a weird thing to get worked up about. <laughs> Just like that escalated what was, quickly. What was, what was <laughs> in those ketchup chips? What did they sprinkle on there? A whole lot of hate. No. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so no, you, those are very good questions. So why do we yeah. do a penance? This is a very, very simply, we do a penance because it's our way of showing that we are truly contrite for what we've done, and it's a way of um, just, you know, to help us recognize that there are consequences to sin, right? So that there is in the realm of life, like the, the guilt is forgiven, but the effects remain uh, of our sin. So doing a penance is one small way to make up for the effects of our sin. So that's kind of why we do a penance. So in your situation, and, and now it's important to say penance is not absolutely required for the validity of confession. Okay. Um, it's important to do it, I think, but it's not, it's the validity of the confession depends on the confession of sins and the absolution of the priest with the right words. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've heard many, many times, I think we've probably spoken even on the podcast about times when the wrong words are used, but I, so I won't get into that. Um, now in your situation, you were given a vague penance. Yes, this happens. I've heard of this myself. Um, and if you feel like it's not appropriate, it's, you, you have freedom. Yeah. You have freedom. This is this so is say, a pro tip Father Harrison's about to give yes. you. Everyone listen up. This is real life. It's a pro tip. You can say, Father, can I get can you more can you more clearly define that for me? Or Father, I don't think I can fulfill that. Or Father, I'm not really comfortable with that. Can you give me a different penance, please? You're allowed and, to do that. And you're allowed to do this. Um like so I'll give you an example. Like I would never give a vague penance. I've because I've heard this too. And then like sometimes speaking generically, people say, oh, you know, Father, I went to confession and my penance was I have to love myself more. And and yeah. I'm like, ugh, that's not clearly defined. I mean, it's a good so, idea, but it's, it's hard a good for idea, a penance. But it, yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes priests mean well and they're trying to do something for a reason, yeah. but they they forget like how you need something clear. You want to know you did your penance. Yeah. Um, so I always, like if I'm giving someone where I'm like, I'm hoping they can do this. You know, I'm like, do you have 10 minutes after confession to go pray in the church? Yes. Are you willing to do that? Yes. Okay, that's your penance. Yeah. Right? I'm always in conversation because I don't want to impose, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a charitable priest. I think of the needs of my penance. Yes. You know, and I'm not saying this priest isn't, but it's just, you know, so it's important to ask for clarification or, or guidance or, and you, because you're, you're not bound to fulfill a penance that's um, unclear 
or lacks certain boundaries. It needs to be something for priests. If for any priests listening, it's all it's actually vital. And actually, I believe the ritual instructs us in this. We need to be we need to give a clearly defined penance for the penitent to fulfill. Yeah, and that's really it. So if you've been caring about a weird feeling of guilt and unease, you can just let that go. You go in peace. You're fine. Your sins are forgiven. Um, Caroline, if that is real name. Uh, and uh, don't worry about that. Um, and it, just to echo it, you know, Erickson, you said there will be times where I'll give a mildly vague penance. I always will check with people. Uh, I'll say, um, I want you to offer a prayer of thanksgiving to God in your own words. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Um, and then I might add, like, when you feel like you're done, you're done. That's not going to freak you out. I, mm-hmm. Sometimes I say, is that going to freak you out? And people immediately will, if it does, they'll tell me. And I'm like, all right, let's just do this solid one. So it, it's important to make sure that your uh, penitent knows what's going on and that there's clear communication there. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, well, thank you very much, fake person. Uh, yeah. If that is your fake person. Uh, Nick, Nick, make that sound smart. Uh, edit it out. Anyway, uh, uh, um, so uh, let's see. Um, am I going to do one now? Yes, you are. Now, before we do this, mm. just one quick thing as you're finding it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had put a little a little competition out last week. Not many days to, to do it, but I did say that the best question around something sacramental would win a free copy of the book. Yeah. So let's do this other sacramental one, and then we'll decide... Uh, I mean, you, okay. you're the judge. I'll just consult. Um, I mean, in the end, it's my book to give away. Exactly. So it's like me on priest. Count- some, it's like I, me on priest yeah. council. Like I can tell the bishop whatever I think. Doesn't matter. So we'll do the same yeah. thing with you. It'll be great. Supreme authority. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> All right. All right. Hello, um, long time listener, first time caller. Um, my question has to do with sacramental preparation. I teach um, confirmation students at a Catholic school, and I've feel like I've long been debating with various priests and um, school officials on what should be our, like, check the box to-do list for sacramental preparation, as sometimes it feels like service hours, memorizing questions, doing all these forms, taking these things, going to retreats. Sometimes it feels like we're earning sacraments of grace, but I also feel like they also need to be prepared. So kind of like how have you navigated that? What's your perspective on whether on seeing sacraments not as something to be earned, but a free gift from God. Um anyway, thank you so much for your awesome podcast. You guys are great. Bye. Well, longtime listener, first time caller, if that is your real name. Uh <laughs> So the the easy answer for me is saying, you're absolutely right. It is earning the sacrament. I despise all the box checking and that's it. But that's actually not helpful because this is a really complicated problem. Like part of the difficulty is if people are still going to be confirmed around the age of high school and there's no preparation, then you're gonna get uh, even more people who probably shouldn't receive a sacrament because they don't really desire it but because it's so easy to do they'll receive it and that might be that's not ideal so you've got like that aspect uh also uh you have the problem where you're not really in charge because there may be um, diocesan rules and guidelines you have to follow also you're, the pastor's the pastor um i would say keep 
what you can do is if you are kind of guiding the program, um, keep emphasizing what the sacrament really is um, and keep framing whatever they have to do as a preparation for the sacrament so that they can fully receive the gift. Because in a perfect world, that's what, you know, uh, learning the things, doing the service hours, it's, you know, ideally meant to prepare the heart to receive the gift that's going to give. So while you can't change the actual program and the awkwardness that people have to fill out all these forms and blah, 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 at the very least, you can at least frame it, <clears throat> frame it and teach it in a way that emphasizes that it's a gift. So I think it's the best you can do, but keep fighting the good fight, you know, having respectful conversations with your pastor, even if he's uh, not as correct about all things as Father Harrison and I uh, pretend to be. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's a weird thing in the church. You know, as soon as Father Harrison becomes Pope, the first thing he's going to do is restore the order of the sacraments. So all these little babies get confirmed and it's going to be wonderful. Right, Father Harrison? Heck yeah. We're going to, it's how we're going to reunite with the East. When they see us doing this, they're going to be like, we love the Pope. Yep, exactly. Yep. So vote for Pope Harrison. <laughs> vote Pope Harrison for <laughs> <Yeah>. more <laughs> years, for <laughs> more years. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... I hate the service hours thing. Yeah. That is such a... And here, again, in my diocese, and actually more and more diocese in Canada, we do the restored order at least so like you're seven or eight when you're doing confirmation here, mm -hmm. right? Um, because you do it before you receive First Communion because that's the way God intended things. That's how God... How that's how the order of sacraments has been since the first days of the church. So why would you flip it around? Right. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so and you're right about like yes it is a free gift but at the same time I always have to remember like there, but there is preparation you know it's like saying oh I'm going to get married to this person oh who are they oh I don't really know I haven't really spent time with them but it's a free gift <laughs> yeah. there's no preparation it's going to fall apart right yeah. I, I ordered her from uh, Russia she actually wasn't free um, but yeah, yeah it's going to happen no worries exactly exactly so um, you prepare you always prepare for things you love um now, it's sacramental prep's the tough thing because it, it's a balance. And I think ideally, and I've given permission to parents in my own parish, where if you're, if, you're, if you're a practicing Catholic and you want to prepare your kids on your own at home, like I say, go nuts, please, please. We offer sacramental prep for families where that may not be the case. They don't feel comfortable with it, et cetera. And I think we need to be doing more to prepare families to be doing this because for just a variety of reasons. I think it actually helps instill the faith more, makes it more natural at home and so on and so forth. And then, then that preparation comes from a place of love and seen as a gift. Um, you see, I think that's the thing. We need to we need to order preparation towards love. And when you order preparation towards love, it is seen that you're preparing yourself to receive a great gift. So anything that gets in the way of that sense, I think is improper. It is really difficult and shouldn't happen. The paperwork is absolutely necessary because we need to make sure you are confirmed, or, or sorry, are baptized. Like, right, we actually right. have to make sure of these things. Like those are those are important things that, and because we need to know where where do we need to send the confirmation records and stuff. So those are there are boring things that need to happen no matter what. Um, but preparation always should be seen through the lens of gift. And if we can get if we can order things more that way, I think preparation be, also feels like less programmatic and more as an opportunity of journeying towards intimacy with the love of God, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. We have to decide. We have to give a book away. So let me, let me uh, I'll offer you my thoughts, and then you can do with those thoughts what you will. So um, Caroline, uh, if that is a real name, 
Catherine. Catherine, Caroline, uh, Sienna, um, Carmen, whatever. Uh, well, she brought up the question about confession. confession. And that gave us the opportunity to give people the pro tip about asking the priest to modify your penance. Very yeah, not three Hail Mary's father. That's too many. How about two? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a good negotiation, though, folks, either. It's not like it's just I really can't fulfill this for these reasons. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. like, that's that's pretty good. Also, yeah. um, Anonymous gave us a chance to talk about uh, the restoration of the Order of the Sacraments, which is something that we love to talk about mm-hmm. and harp on. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, those are two great contenders for a free book. So what you're saying is, what you're doing mm-hmm. is you're positioning yourself so that you look right no matter what I say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to go with Catherine. All if right. If it's her real name. If it's her real name. Uh, we'll find out when she emails us with her, ad- her mailing address. Well, she doesn't need I to give, your, your, give her uh, your name, just the, uh, just the address. Well, here's the thing. We're actually going to be able to test out if Nashville's a real place because if it doesn't bounce if the book bounced back to my home that's true then that means nashville's a fake place or that you misspelled nashville and the post office was mean to you so we'll see what happens maybe i I put one too many u's in there yeah nashville (laughs) are there there any u's in nashville no there's not (laughs) canadians want to put u's everywhere (laughs) put u's in words in cooler and all whatever uh but congratulations on your free book yeah awesome like congrats and yeah as always please give us a call and leave your theological emergency for us to answer today. So let's get into some presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn. So much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes. yes. Yes, right. Get back to what we're good at. Nick, here's All some right. ASMR for you. Ooh, did you <laughs> like that? Did you like that, Producer Nick? Hey, Producer Nick. Producer Nick. Oh, I didn't like that. <laughs> no. I don't like that. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, so this past Sunday, we did our monthly Vespers again. It was our second time. Who is uh, we? My parish. Okay, cool. Yeah, we do. I'm trying to do Vespers once a month. Mm-hmm. We've sung Vespers. It's still kind of simple. I ran out of time to get it more prepared than I wanted to. Like, I'm trying to increasingly solemnize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was away that one weekend due to minor sickness stuff with COVID, I think um, everything got pushed back. But anyways, it was a great turnout again. 50 to 60 people, which is like, Ooh. isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's great. Like, that's a that's huge, man. So, and I decided, because I've been, A, I had a lot of requests. Oh, are you recording the talk on charisms mm-hmm. on Twitter and stuff? And I said, no. It's for my parish. <laughs> no, no, it is not for you. No, no talk for it's you. It's not for you. It's not for you. No talk for you. Next! <laughs> um, so, but... Uh, I thought at the same time, I wouldn't have had much time to prepare anything else for a topic this week. And I literally just, I wrote a half hour talk on the charism. So what I do at my Vespers at the time of the sermon, which you can insert into there, I can do a sermon on anything I want. So I usually use it as an opportunity for catechesis. So the last time I did one on prayer, this one I did on the charisms because I preached on charisms a couple weeks ago at the parish because that was the second reading. And I thought, 
and I said to people, and if you want to know what the list of charisms are, you want to know how to discern them, you got to come to Vespers. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it was a great way. But yeah, no, it was great. And people really appreciate it. And, and I've already had people ask me questions about, um, so, you know, as they're trying, they're trying to figure out how to discern their charisma so they can serve in mission to the church, which is the whole point of a charism. So I thought, let's do that today. So um, let's, to do an overview of the charisms, we're going to go to the best place possible. Well, second best place, maybe after scripture, uh, the catechism. There you go. There you go. So the catechism has three paragraphs on charisms in paragraph 799 to 801. Now, pop quiz. Ooh, no. Oh, no. Qu- uh, uh, pop trivia. Mm-hmm. Where do you think those three paragraphs are found? Which, which, which major part of, of, uh, of the catechism would that be in, do you think? Hmm. There's four parts to the catechism, right? Uh, so it could be it could be in during the part of the Holy Spirit's when you go through the creed. It's probably uh-huh. not the Ten Commandments. It could be on uh-huh. prayer. Uh, I'm just gonna go with a section on prayer. That's my guess. So I already dropped a hint by saying 799 to 801. Listen, that listen, I, I can barely quote the Bible on the catechism, <laughs> bruh. Uh, paragraph. So prayer is like in the 2000s, I think. I mean, it's number so, one in my heart, so. <laughs> okay. I don't know what uh, numbers you're using. So set, these paragraphs are found in the first section okay. on the creed. Uh, you're close. You're close, but just a little bit before. Yeah, I should have just, yeah, whatever. It, it's, it's in the section on the church. Mm-hmm. As, but this is why you were right. In the more particular section on the temp, the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So we already, you already, so there's, a, so you already see the catechism of great logic to charisms that they're at service at the heart of the church's mission and her identity and that this is something the individual Christian lives out for the sake of service and mission to the church and to the world. So I'll read, I'll just kind of quickly read these, these three paragraphs because I think they're really good. So whether extra, this is 799, whether extraordinary or simple and humble charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit which directly or indirectly benefit the church ordered as they are to her building up to the good of men and to the needs of the world. So sorry, like there's a lot of meat there, right? Like every time I go to the chasm, I'm like this is actually so good. <laughs> it's it like is, it's so, so good, man. For a document written by committee, it's the best thing you can get, really. It's because Ratzinger oversaw it. Well, there you go. Of course, well, there you go. of course, of course. But so already, so they can say it's something. Um, there's there's sometimes extraordinary, like there's there's a supernatural element almost to them, like maybe like the gift of healing or something like that, or something simple and humble like craftsmanship or or service, mm-hmm. right? But the one thing it doesn't say in here, and I think is true, I think everyone does have charisms. They have everyone's got at least one charism because they're that particular manifestation of our Christian faith mm-hmm. and through baptism. But they are they they directly or indirectly benefit the church ordered to her building up. So like like building up the church. Charisms exist for this purpose and end, but also to the needs of the world, because that's really the church was the need of the world's salvation, and that's what the church exists for. Yeah. So charisms are ordered towards all these things. The next part, number 800, says charisms are to be accepted with gratitude by the person who receives them and by all members of the church as well. They are wonderfully rich grace for the apostolic vitality and holiness of the entire body of Christ provided they really are genuine gifts of the Holy Spirit and are used in full conformity with authentic promptings of the same spirit that is in keeping with charity 
the true measure of all charisms. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts or comments on that one? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is uh, it's very uh, fallen humanity's uh, nature to be jealous of other people's gifts. Um, but what the Christian, when he, the Christian sees a gift in another, uh, he or she rejoices because their gift is good for the entire church. One, it's just good that that person has been blessed with something, uh, but also that blessing is not for them. It's for the building up the church. Um, that's why I decided to do a podcast with Father Harrison because he reads more books than me, and that is that is delightful. <laughs> it's a delightful gift right. that I have from Father Harrison. Um, uh, it's so th- that's the first thing. The second thing is I think that that measure of charity, the test of charity, uh, is a really good one because yeah. it can be very easy if you have a gift. It's a kind of Power in the sense that it helps you do a thing. I don't want to make mm-hmm. it sound like a superpower because that gets all goofy, um, but it helps you accomplish something. And when you have that ability to accomplish something, it can become a prideful thing. It can be used poorly. It can be used against people. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about if you have a, a you know a certain charism for preaching, that can be mm-hmm. great help to the church, or you can use it just to build up your own ego and and preach heresy and all this bad stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Which in that case, it wouldn't it even kind of cease to be a charism uh, mm-hmm. because the gift of love, charity, is the measure of all charisms. And I like that. This is yeah. done in love. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. And I, I think especially like, yeah, this rejoicing in the gifts of others, which means the other way, the other little take I take with this is that means you don't have to do everything. Right. This, yeah. Like, as a priest, Isn't I'm trying nice? to embrace this more and more. Like, <laughs> okay, what are my charisms and gifts? Now, we do have, like, here's the interesting thing is some charisms are given by virtue of office or state in life. Yes. Right? So we, by virtue of our ordination, have the charisms of preaching, teaching, administration, and um, wait. Sanctifying. Wait. Sanctifying. Thank you. Thank you. Sanctification. Yes. Um, these are charisms that are given to us. By virtue of our ordination. Father Anthony, how good are you at administration? Oh, um, I mean, let's be real honest. I really haven't done any. I've been a parochial okay. vicar, you know. That's fair. That's <laughs> I fair. really haven't administrated. I, I, I suspect it would be a more difficult thing given my natural tendencies and abilities. How are you at... Yeah. Okay. Yes. I was just, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, did I forget wounds. to eat? I mean, for example, did I have RCIA the other night? I forgot to add one uh, group of people to the email list and they missed RCIA because of that. Did that happen? Right. Maybe. Maybe it happened. Maybe. Who can say? Does that bode well for my future administrative abilities? Mm, doesn't sound like it. Doesn't right. sound great. But the beauty is, this is the best part of it all, is... Uh, the charism works not because of our weakness, but this, uh, often through it or despite it or whatever, right? So or around it. So like you can have the most boring preacher in the world preaching, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit's still at work through that preaching. Yeah. And that's the whole point of a charism. It's it's not dependent on our own abilities. and But it's also like that freeing thing of, okay, I, I recognize, for example, I have the gift of administration. In, in my life by virtue of my ordination and and interestingly I think I brought it up on the podcast before is something Bishop McKig really brought out at our priest retreat which is this notion that governance or administration in the life of the church for priests is around the notion of charism it's our job to order charisms for the good of the church which is very much in this kind of sacramental worldview mentality which I'm like really digging right now it's just been it's been hanging with me since the retreat which is why I've kind of been researching this and thinking about it more so that's really what, where administration is meant to fall. And that 
you know, we listen to the Holy Spirit in prayer, and we we kind of listen to and we discern His works in in, the, in people, so we can order those gifts. But it also means like I do not have the gift of craftsmanship, hundred percent, which means I suck at everything to do with maintenance. Okay, <laughs> I do not have that gift. Yeah, there's like that holy envy of like I wish I could do that because I really see its value, and sure. I wish I could understand these things, but I don't. But I don't envy it in that deeper sense of why don't I have this gift? I rejoice in the fact that someone else has it. And so what the catechism's getting at here is this notion that charisms are meant to build up the church's communion. I have these charisms, you have those charisms, and we bring them together for the sake of the common mission of the church. When you can start to order charisms this way, people will say no to certain things. They won't take up certain things because it's not their charism, but they will take up other things because it is their charism. And it, it just orders things so much better. And people are alive. Like, you feel more alive when you're living out of your charism. Question. Um, yes, yes. This seems like a just a very difficult way to organize a church, Father Harrison. Like, why put all these different charisms and different people and spread them out like that? Why can't you have some dude or some lady who's got all the charisms and they just take care of everything? That would That seems simpler. That seems safer. Why don't we just do that? Why didn't God do that? Because we're neglecting the personal element of faith. What? And that, that, and that the church, the church's very nature is communion, which means a unity and difference. And so it becomes the proper mode and expression of the nature of the church. Okay, but you're saying that I'm going to have to, like, talk to other people, yep. uh, maybe have tensions and arguments with other people, and end up mm-hmm. still loving them and stuff? That seems very annoying. Welcome to the cross. Oh, which is the fruit and the place where the power of charisms flow from. Huh. Okay. Yes. All right, you've convinced uh, me. Good, good. All right. Uh, the third paragraph quickly is in, is in this sense that discernment of charisms is always necessary. Always necessary. No charism, though, is exempt from being referred and submitted to the church's shepherds. Their office is not indeed to extinguish the spirit, but to test all things and hold fast to what is good so that all the diverse and complementary charisms work together for the common good. This is really important, folks, because as you know, Father Anthony, a lot of people say, well, I have this charism. This is what I think. Me, 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 me. Um, there's, when someone's using the I too much in their discernment of charisms, it's usually a bad sign. And, and as priests, especially as pastors, we share in the bishop's role of shepherding. And so we share also in that discer- that work of discernment. And so if, if you know, let's say um, you're, t- you're, you're teaching something and you're really not a good teacher and the priest says, this is not your charism. We shouldn't take offense at that. It's okay. Uh, it's just, but, and we need to accept sometimes that, not, not always obviously, again, the church is a complicated place and even, and even her shepherds are fallen people but that we need to submit to the church's authority and discernment because that's what that authority exists for is to discern the works of the spirit. Um, and that it's always necessary to discern these things so that, because what it does, because what happens often is people place their own sense of mission ahead of the church's authority, which is shared by the bishops. And that's where, that's where disunity comes in. And also don't forget that even if you have an amazing charism, God doesn't need it. And right. in a certain sense, the church doesn't need it either. So if it's better for your holiness, for uh, you to get a humility smackdown, uh, for and that's better for the sake of, of your salvation, then that will happen. 
So if you right. have like a genuinely great charism and you start to get full of yourself about it and you start demanding things, God doesn't need that. Church doesn't need that. Right. Yeah. Hey, it'd be great if you were like super humble about it and you know, uh, that would be a great boon for the church. Uh, mm-hmm. But your salvation actually kind of comes first in that. Yep. Yep, exactly. So just recognize like a discernment is not, it's not a um, individualized or overly subjective thing. It's actually quite a public thing that in concert with the church's offices, which already have the, char- the charisms to help discern through this and in, in concert with scripture and tradition. Yeah. So, I mean, it can be something as practical as like, let's say that you have the charism of spiritual watercoloring. And uh, yeah, you're just really good at helping people uh, spiritually uh, watercolor hmm. in the kind of way of Lexio Divina. You're just kind of painting out what you read from uh-huh. scriptures and it's and it's beautiful. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Uh-huh. It's freeing. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's say that's it. But you also uh-huh. have like your regular, uh, you have a job and the only evening you have free to exercise this uh, charism is on a Wednesday night. And you go to the pastor and say, I have this charism. The pastor's like, well, Wednesday night we've got RCIA. Uh, all of our rooms are booked with uh, CCD. And then also the ladies' guild is meeting. We just don't have space or, or a roof this, so you can't. We can't do it. Like discernment could be as practical as that. Uh, yes. As simple as like, no. I mean, if you had another night to do it, maybe we could set up a room and some, um, uh, you know, easels and some watercolors yep. for you. But we just don't on that day. Yeah. Amen. Um, exactly. And so we need to trust those judgments sometimes. Um, it's why, like, I know what my charisms are and I know teaching is one, I, it's been confirmed so many times through like, even like, uh, yeah, different bishops and priests and people in my life. I know this is my charism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll give you, I'll give people some tips on how you can discern that in a second. Um, but sometimes, but charism doesn't mean I do it a hundred percent all the time. Right. This is, I think the key thing, but it becomes like, it becomes a source out of which I live my life and it, and it flows from, but I also have to do that in concert with the larger needs of the church and recognize sometimes God wants me to limit the use of my charism or something like that for the sake of another good. So what are the charisms? Like, and here's the thing, the catechism gives no list. There are some lists in scripture from different writings of Paul. There is no definitive magisterial authority on this, but I think the tradition has given us a very healthy thing that we can summarize. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for the list? I love lists. Good. I love them. Because I've got a list of 25. Top 25 I, charisms. <laughs> do like the Johnny Carson thing and, and just start like asking questions of what the answer would be. Anyways. Um, all right. Yes. Uh, Johnny Carson. Sorry. He was a person. Yes. Who did lists. <laughs> Well, and so, did, so he was so like, did, so was Johnny Carson did, like, like uh, no. BuzzFeed? Well, he didn't do lists. Was he BuzzFeed? No, he didn't do lists, but he did, he, did whole, like, he did this whole like prediction thingy he, where he he was describing something and then the envelope, would he'd open up the envelope and use the word. Oh, because he didn't have an app. He didn't have an app to do yeah, that. Right. He, didn't have, he didn't have an app to do that. Then you had uh, like David Letterman who did his top 10 lists. Um, right. But I am greater than David Letterman. I'm doing 25. Wow. Because the Holy Spirit is even greater than me. Is greater than David. The Letterman. Holy Spirit so, is greater than David Letterman. I agree. So I mean, 25. yes. Okay, you're on a roll. So can I? Can I? Can I give my list? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done sidetracking okay. you. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> all right. I'm not going to. Desc- I'm not defining all these folks. You can look it up later. Administration, celibacy. <laughs> Wait, time out. I'm going to. I have a charism for teaching. You can look this up later. Continue. Dude, you want me to read four pages of definitions? I I chugged, uh, like... Do we have the time? No, we don't. And I had a lot of espresso. Trust me. (laughs) Just 
Trust me, dang it. And conscious of time, administering time, if you will, administration, celibacy, craftsmanship, discernment of spirits, encouragement, evangelization, faith, giving, healing, helper, hospitality, intercessory prayer, knowledge, leadership, missionary, mercy, music, pastor, or pastoring, shepherding, prophecy, service, teaching, voluntary poverty, wisdom, writing, and public tongues and interpretation of tongues. So you may have one of those gifts. You may have many of those gifts. God gives the gifts according to the needs of the church and, and the needs of the world. Um, and, and it's important to kind of pay attention to them. So I have this whole thing about discernment that I'm not going to go into because um, but we over discern too much. Or we, we Just quickly, I think I mentioned a bit last week how we, we make a distinction between God's active will and passive will. Yes. And so I think that's really important when it comes to discernment. So active will is God choosing something particular vocationally in your life or some big thing he wants good for the good of the church and the world done. So for example, when you and I were discerning our vocations to priesthood, that is God's active will at work. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're discerning. And that requires really a, a process of like spiritual direction and stuff like that. But most of the things we discern in life are more around God's passive will, um, which is just day-to-day discernment, which is just done from union and prayer with God and just doing the right thing. Um, making the right choices in life, but God may not be giving you a direct answer to things because you can probably take any of the paths that you, as long as they're morally upright and everything. And so when it comes to charisms and discerning it, I think it's like a bit of a mix of both <laughs> because um, it is active in that God has given you a particular gift for you. So it's something that he has particularly chosen, but it's also something passive in that how do we, we discern it often through uh, our own experience and stuff like this. And that's why I want to kind of give these signposts on how to discern it. Any other before I do that, do any comments or questions or anything, or no. things to say? I'm kind of talking a lot here. Uh, no, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. All right. Uh, so these are these are some signposts, and then maybe like you, uh, have you like just quickly, have you ever thought about your charisms? Like, have you ever given thought or prayer to that, or has that ever been discussed? Uh, you know, I never, life? I never, other than uh, preaching, which I'm I'm very certain is charisma of mine. I mean, I know my strengths, the things I seem to be good at, they're helpful for the church. I don't give it much more thought than that. Um, Like I kind of know like, oh, I can be helpful here. I'm less helpful here. And so I haven't like sat down and really like parsed them out because I'm just not interested in doing that. Yeah, that's fair. And it's, it's, I think actually one little thing is there is a difference between like charisms and talents. Right. That's yeah. Right. This is the thing, right? Uh, I could like, uh, and sometimes a charism will accentuate a natural talent. Mm -hmm. Right. But it doesn't, they don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. And sometimes like, like for me, I really convinced, one reason I'm convinced like teaching and all the stuff associated with it is a charism is because that didn't really exist prior to my conversion. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's something that came along with it in a very powerful way, a desire for knowledge and all this stuff. All those things came after my conversion. And so I see these as like gifts from God for a particular mission and purpose in the church. So these tips for discernment, they're not universal, they're not absolute, and everyone's life is different, but um, I find these helpful. So the first one is you're going to notice a real passion associated with this charism. There's a flame, a passion in our heart whenever we seek this task, uh, and it often exudes in you towards others. Even if they might, like, I know sometimes when I preach, for example, I know people it might, like, whoosh, something I'm talking about is going over their head because sure. I'm thinking about it maybe a little too deeply philosophically or something like that but i hear it often reveal 
you know, I didn't quite understand everything, but your passion and your love for the word of God so exudes from you that I just wanted to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are good signs. Those are things you want to listen for. And here's the interesting, this is one thing I actually noticed this weekend when I was trying to prepare this for Vespers. Yeah. How distracted I was getting from doing my task <laughs> and actually focusing down and sitting down and writing it. Yeah. So if you're finding often that there's a particular there's particular temptations away from doing the thing you know is your charism, that's like a further confirmation that's a charism. Because the evil spirit in the life of the world is going to try and manipulate us away from seeking God. So those are those are one ways. Um, there's often even an ease in completing the task. So I'm I'm just using my own experience because it's obviously one I know. So when I wrote this talk, I wrote it in two hours. Yeah. I sat down, I wrote 2,500 words in two hours mm -hmm. and it went really well and people really loved it. I'm not, I'm not actually reading the talk mostly because I don't want people to sit here forever. Right. Um, but the charism breeds spiritual fruit for both us and for others. And this is the gift element, right? So a gift is not just for, it's actually really not for my sake. It is for my sake, but it's for my sake, for the sake of others. Yeah. It should always overflow into something else. And that's the heart of charity that we talked about earlier. Um, other people are going to say, I think you have a gift or charism in this area. And they'll tell you this over and over again. Again, some charisms come by virtue of our office or state in life. One, like, for, so for those with families, one charism I find, it's not absolutely universal, but it's commonly universal for families is hospitality. Yeah. Because it kind of goes with being a family. You have to invite people into your house. Like, it's because it's the norm of being a family. So I find that's a very common um, charism for families. But a husband's not going to have a charism to voluntary poverty 99% of the time. Right. <laughs> because that would be bad for his family, yeah. you know? It's confirmed by the church's pastors. You say, this is your charism. It orients us towards a particular mission because every charism is given for mission. You cannot have a charism without a mission attached with it. It gives a clear, us a clear direction of what we need to be doing in our life to promote the gospel. So not everyone has to sit out in the street corners evangelizing. Mm -hmm. Some people have that charism of being a helper where you may be more one-on-one -on -one with people or something like that. Um, that's great. That's how you're promoting the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's how you're living out the, the mission of the gospel. We don't all have to do the same thing at all times. Um, we recognize charisms we don't have and we see them in others and rather than envy, rejoice in how God is working with them in them. And finally, a great fruit of it all, which helps us confirm our discernment, is we fall more deeply in love with Christ and his church. Mm, yeah. So I think those are helpful tools in discerning it. Um, you know, sometimes there are human or spiritual barriers that, you know, maybe talking to a priest or a friend who's spiritually adept can help us work us through that. Because sure. uh, sometimes some people may say, I don't hear anything in those 25 that is a charism for me. Right. Um, that's fair. You know, sometimes we can work through that with our pastors. But I find those are very helpful tips. But they're often through the life of experience through which the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Right. And it helps us to see God alive and active in our lives more. Thoughts, comments, yeah, snag remarks? Yeah, yeah, No. <laughs> I usually have a lot of those. That last one. Uh, especially especially today. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think, you know, the one that gets kind of striking me is, um, um, okay, so a few things. One, I, I don't know how, I don't think anyone should freak out and run to a piece of paper and try to jot down their charisms. I just don't see right. that as helpful or good because it, right. it can become kind of like a personality test or something like that. You don't want to do yeah. that. Uh, it yeah. can be as simple as where in your life are you fruitful now for the gospel? Like it's yeah. your chance is already sort of happening. Um, and it can happen in all kinds of ways that you might not see as big flashy charisms. Uh, it can be in just uh, 
So what, like a good friend of mine, uh, he has this charism, what you call it, charism for hospitality, whatever. When he's in a room, he can just bring people together. You know that kind of awkwardness you feel when like you got a big group of people, they're there for one reason, but like they don't know each other. This guy walks into that room and starts making mm-hmm. connections, bringing people together, making people feel comfortable. He does it like by accident. And it's more than just his personality. And everyone who has known him long enough knows that it's, it's not yeah. just his personality. There's something about it. Uh, yeah. And it was he was actually very, very good at young adult ministry. Like, didn't program out a lot of stuff. Wasn't yep. able to. Not the most organized guy. But if you got people in the room with him uh, and like vocations came out of that young adult group uh mm-hmm. and a lot of goodness came out of it and it's like so that's like a charism to me mm-hmm. um yep and uh even if you can't quite have a proper name for it so that that was what i was thinking of nice yeah no exactly so and and um yeah i think you're i think that's a big one it shouldn't be like yeah what's my personality or anything like that it's 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 that's why i think like you cannot discern your charism if you don't have a life of consistent prayer yeah mm-hmm because that'll give you, that'll make you adept to listening to this, to seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so, like, the reason I kind of gave this talk in my parish is, was twofold. One is, I'm just seeing how important this actually is in the life of the church. And this is actually really not a complicated thing. I think, I think everything I've laid out, this is not some mystical puzzle you have to figure out. It's, it's just, here's some steps. And they, it is kind of a practical thing in some ways. It's meant to be because this is how you live out the gift of faith in your in your life. But not everyone has to serve the poor. Not everyone has to evangelize. Not everyone has to do music. Not everyone has to be a craftsman. Not everyone has to be administration. Uh, we need and, and and like I know in our line of quote unquote work, mm-hmm. you know, when the church calls us to particular tasks. So you know, the day you're named a bishop, you will be given the uh, gift of administration whether you like it or not because it's your it'll be your job father Mm -hmm. anthony bishop anthony yeah to administer the order of the church and her charisms and that and that's given to you by god and that's confirmed by the church so we accept that humbly right but it's it's really in the end it's really not that difficult to figure out it's just something lived out in mission and i think one of the beautiful things about it is whatever brings that joy like it really it's a it's a contact of joy in the life of faith which we need so much, right? We we, yeah. we make it such a burden sometimes. The the lightness of the Holy Spirit, if you will, right, is really lived out in this. Because I remember when I was like sitting down to do this on Sunday morning, I'm like, man, why did I get so distracted? This is so much fun. Yeah. I am so happy doing this. And it's like, and you almost like, God's like, I'm glad you're doing this monthly Vespers because I need to like hit it over your head with how much you actually enjoy doing this right. because this is the gift I gave you. So suck it up and like live out of it more. And it also helps you then endure the harder parts of life because like a parent, again, like you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, you don't really enjoy that because your kid's sick or whatever, but you do it out of love and the things you're acting out of in terms of your charism really does allow that to um, bolden, embolden you to want to suffer those things well. Let me try to uh, oversimplify, yeah. but I don't think it is actually. I just uh, Your charism is how you love the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's both mm-hmm. how you love others the best and mm-hmm. that experience of loving other people, of course, that's always going to give you life. So right. how do you love the best within the church? That is a great way of putting it. I like that. You can take that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that. I'll have to use it. But and this is the other thing because I think so often, I think there's been a lot, of, I think part of the problems in the church in some ways is we've been spiritually uh, scatterbrained. <laughs> 
everyone thinks they have to do everything at all times or that every homily has to speak to them and every exhortation of a homily has to exhort them personally. No, it doesn't actually. Because, um, you know, if we, we, what that does is like it allows us, if you, if you organize things out of charism, it just, it removes a lot of the burdens and, and it really, like I thought, I said to Vespers, I said, you know, if, if all of us here could figure out one or two of our charisms, however, or however many we have, my gosh, this parish would be on fire because mm-hmm. we would be prioritizing our life around them. It becomes like the, the centrifuge, if you will, of, of our life out of which all of our activity, whether we're in family or single or, you know, religious life, priesthood, it becomes a centrifuge out of which all activity kind of flows from. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. Good. I liked it. I like it. It's nice and simple, pragmatic. Let's start listening to the Holy Spirit. Let's figure out our charisms. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And thank you for listening to Clerically Speaking. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me carefully discerning my charisms. You can find me at FR Harrison. Contact the podcast. On Twitter. On Twitter, yes. So you can find me at FR. Just yell, FR Twitter! And he'll, he'll appear like a magical Canadian Vatican gnome. Okay, so uh, contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericalspeaking at gmail.com. Do you have a theological emergency? Call 412-912-7995. That's 412-912-7995. Clerical emergencies is a bit. Please contact your parish if you have a sacramental emergency. <laughs> Peace. God bless. <laughs>